Welcome back to Careers Explained. Today, we're talking with Madeline Butendorf about her career path and her current role. She received her bachelor's degree from Davidson College in political science, and her previous work experience includes working as an intern at Rock the Vote and as director of communications for the College Crisis Initiative. She's currently a strategy associate at Penta Group. Welcome, Madeline, and thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Can you start by telling us what you do in your current role as a strategy associate? Yes, of course. So in my current role, I'm the the full title is a strategy associate at Pension Group. And what that looks like is that this is a consulting firm. Um, We, the, the formal words that we use are saying that it's a stakeholder management consulting firm. But what I've come across is that a lot of folks um, outside of the business may not know what that is. So the easiest explanation is that this is policy and communications consulting. I work for a wide variety of clients, helping them solve issues as simple as raising their public profile to a lot more complex issues, such as pushing a G20 report to be implemented. Um, My day-to-day can range quite a lot through whatever clients need on a given day, but it ends up being a lot of collaboration and a lot of strategic thinking and doing whatever needs to be done to help the client meet their goals. So when you talk about the variety of roles that you do depending on the client, can you give some examples of the most frequent roles or responsibilities that come up in those projects? Yeah, of course. So there is a baseline for all associates where we handle some day-to-day things like scheduling client calls, setting the agendas for different calls, taking notes, some of the usual run-of-the-mill stuff. That tends to be a little bit more background noise for me at this point of it's just part of what gets done. As far as client work, it's again, pretty variable. So it does range depending on what the client needs, but some of the most common pieces that I'll work on um, can be putting a media or a stakeholder list together, pitching reporters or stories, even running interviews. Um, one of the, some of the ones that I quite enjoy um, are getting to do a lot of in-depth research on a given policy issue. Sometimes that can be a more financial issue. Sometimes that can be um, a more social impact issue. I tend to work a lot in the social impact and corporate responsibility spaces. So um, it ends up doing a lot of research into the regulatory side, as well as what the news of the day has brought in and if there's opportunities for clients to engage, um, which can be as simple as an in case you missed it or an ICYMI email, putting together um, background materials that can look like a research book on a topic or talking points or kind of messaging um, can truly range from very small tasks and very easy social media posts to something a bit broader as a longer term white paper on a pretty complex topic. Of course, those end up being a little bit angled towards whatever the client's messaging or goals are, but on the whole, there's a baseline of content production as well as strategic thinking that goes on every day. Super helpful examples. And then diving a little bit more into those, how do they map on to your average, it sounds like there's a lot of variations, maybe a recent week in terms of the day-to-day. Is it mostly meetings? Is it mostly you doing that research or content on your own? What does it look like? Again, I keep saying it varies, but it truly does. Every day and every week is very different. Um, The part that I really enjoy about my work at Penta is that we don't work on one client at a time. In other consulting, you end up just working on one client for 
a set period of time for her or however long until their goal is accomplished. The beauty of our work is that we get to work on multiple clients at a time. So I could have one client where I spend 10 hours a month doing work for them. I could have another client where I'm spending 40, 60, even more hours a month doing work for them. So what that looks like for day, my day breakdown so that we have forecasting that's used to help allocate our time so that these staffing directors can see um, how much time we have available and how much time is currently set. Of course, this is all a work in progress, so it can change quite a bit, but um, a lot of my day-to-day -day varies because of that. So I have a couple clients right now, I'm on eight client teams. Um, when I started, I was only on four. And then of course, as my tenure has increased, they've added me to more client teams. It's pretty common for associates to be on anywhere from five to even 10 client teams. But of course, because their time allotment might be different, some of those could be a much smaller time allotment versus others could be a lot higher of a time allotment. So my day-to-day -day then, usually we meet with our clients at least once a week. Sometimes clients will have more than one meeting a week if needed, as well as then each team will have their own what we call an internal meeting. Those are usually used to set the goals for the next week of whatever needs to be accomplished, as well as then kind of reviewing any past work. And it's a good time for associates to ask questions, as well as to brainstorm um, ideas or thoughts around whatever may be happening next. Um, there also then a lot of my time is just work time to work through um, either keeping a team organized by running a tracker is what we call them for our different assignments, um, as well as then doing the actual work of whatever that may entail. Recently, I've spent a lot of time working on some strategic campaign memos for some campaigns that will be launched in a couple of months, as well as then the usual churn of content production. So Last week, for example, I wrote an opinion piece that we're now pitching to reporters. I wrote a couple of social media posts, a blog post. I also drafted a few one pagers on some key issues for a client that has an upcoming media conversation, um, as well as um, I formatted and drew and put together the entire design for a white paper for a client that they have coming out so that it looks professional and polished. That's a small snippet. I think that's maybe a quarter of the tasks that happened last week, but um, it really, there's a lot of variety, which makes everyday fun and a little bit more interesting than just doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, diversity of who you're working with, what tasks you're doing, shifting. And you mentioned the eight teams right now you're on. Is how long-term are these team assignments typically? Is it a month or are you working with them for the next year? Yeah, some of these clients, they've been long-term kinds of clients. One of the ones that I'm on, they've been a client. Um, and for context, Kendra Group is a newer name. I originally started at Hamilton Place Strategies. There was a merger in September where Kendra Group was born. So some of these clients that I'm on have been, they were HPS clients for years beyond that. So one of the clients I'm on, um, I think we've been a client for five or six years at this point. So there isn't really a set end point. Of course, when contracts are new and things like that. Um, one of my clients is only a four-month trial period to see if the work that we do for them resonates with what their needs are as well as fits into their um, setup and things like that. Usually, we do six-month to year-long contracts. Sometimes they can be longer if it's a longer-term client or they know a lot of our work and know a lot of people that we'll be working with. Um, but on the whole, six months to a year is a pretty regular contract time for that. And that gives us time to reevaluate how much work we've been doing for them. Sometimes that means that we need to ask for a little money. Or it also needs, especially with the merger, gives us the opportunity to pitch them on more services that we offer. Those can range from media monitoring to what we call intelligence analysis that can examine the news or examine um, in-depth research or even sentiment analysis of policymakers and other key stakeholders that they may be interested in. Sounds like a very cool and valuable product amongst all the others. And when you are assigned to a team, and I said it, one factor is whether or not you have the bandwidth, but also do you have agency in terms of choosing which team that you work on? How do you get assigned? So we definitely have some agency. Um, we usually have pretty frequent, I say at least once a quarter, check-ins with our staffing director. Um, I have directors on each of my teams that I report to, but we also have a staffing coordinator who is the one who makes those staffing decisions, of course, with input from partners and there's a whole staffing committee. Um, the staffing coordinator is aware of the areas that I'm interested in, so for me, a lot of those tend to be education-oriented or social impact, um, 
she's a math major. Um, so she will usually, before putting me on a team, of course, sometimes it's urgent and things just need to get done, but um, usually before putting me on a team, she'll send me a message or an email saying, hey, there's an opening on this team, like, is that of interest to you? This is who else is on the team, like, and gives me an opportunity to ask me questions about it. Um, there is some wiggle room where you can push back and say no if you feel like you don't have the bandwidth, but more often than not, it is one of those like, I need to support, and I'd rather be on clients that I find interesting than the kind of things that I don't, so it does work out quite well, usually, for me. Um, they, we do also have the opportunity, if we disagree with either a policy position of a client or an issue or something that you would have to be working on for this team, we do get kind of a red card, you can hop out if you need to, uh, which is helpful, but of course, we really try to use those when it is truly integral versus just willy-nilly if you don't want to work on something versus having a moral objection to an issue that a client's working on. I love that they give that option one, and also, along with the diversity of clients and parties at the same time, you get to customize it somewhat with the staff exactly. and interest in mind. So that, along with, you said, loving the diversity, anything else that you like about the job and anything you find challenging? Um, there's lots I like about it. Uh, I really do value that every day is different, um, and especially that not just that it's different in types of work products I'm putting out, but in the issues. I really learn something new every day, or I'm developing a new skill, or refining something that I've been working on. Having the opportunity for this to position me for future growth in my career, whether I'm staying at Penta or continuing on to something else. Having the opportunities to grow and to work with teams and directors and mentors who really look out for you and give you quite good feedback is an incredibly valuable thing to sort of baseline. I do appreciate, um, because we're on different teams, all of those teams are not really the same people. So each of my teams is a different group of people. Of course, there's some overlap because um, while it's a growing firm, we're not large enough where you're on whole new people um, for every team, but um, you need to have not only the diversity of issue, but the diversity of thought that is allowed for by having different people is a really useful thing. I think I also really appreciate that we come in with an associate class. So there's a whole group that, like me, started in 2022, and we are considered a class altogether. So you have people to lean on for questions, you have people for um, just moral support to have a rough day, and also just to have fun with them who kind of get it, of moving to a new city and starting a new job and all these pieces. Having that built-in layer of community, especially in a really high-paced um, environment, can be extremely helpful. And what does the team makeup look like? Is it similar for each project, or is that very well? It, it's similar for each project, but there is some variety. So on clients where um, it might be a little bit of a larger time commitment or a larger contract, they may have more associates or more management time. But most teams operate as a partner, a managing director, a director, and then one to two associates. Some teams that I'm on are a much more substantial contract, basically they have us on retainer. Um, and so we may have two managing directors, but one will be our point managing director, and then we have another one who happens to have um, really helpful issue experience. Maybe they worked at a federal agency, or they were a reporter for a large media agency, and this client has a lot of media work, but that specific MD didn't have the capacity for it. Um, the associate time can range. I've been on a team that's up to four associates, and I've also been the only associate on a team, so it really ranges based on how much um, the budget allows for time-wise, but the team setup is usually pretty set in stone with that. Of course, we have a couple, like, you could be a senior associate or a senior director, there's some other titles mixed in there, but on baseline, that is a partner, a managing director, a director, and an associate or two is the baseline setup. You have both the support horizontally with your class of incoming associates, but then also those above you who can give you guidance who've been in role for long run, so from both fronts. Now, moving into how you got here, can you talk about why you were interested in working at Penta Group coming out of college as opposed to the other options? Definitely. Some of it, in all honesty, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I have operated um, without having a dream job. I don't want to be in that headspace. What's resonated for me instead is kind of having guiding questions. So what that looks like for me is that in any job, I know that if I'm Wake up and try to go to work most days, you know, if we're realistic here. Um, if I am doing something different every day, I have a new mountain, I have a new challenge, something I'm learning, as well as if I feel like I'm making a difference, I'll be happy and just start a new job. Um, and so that's started when I was starting my job search. I knew I wanted to be in Washington, D.C. Um, had to thankfully have offices in a couple cities in the U.S., but also now globally, which is a fun opportunity. Um, but I knew I wanted to be in Washington, D.C., and I knew that I wanted to be in, some, in a place that let me learn and let me figure out what may be the right next step for me. Um, and then has definitely given me an opportunity. In college, I stumbled into doing communications work. Um, I had a communications and research internship between my junior and senior year, but that was after um, I helped to found the college crisis initiative my sophomore year. Of course, my sophomore year was 2020, and we were sent home, and so the college crisis initiative, or C2I, came out of um, myself and a professor and a few other students wanting to do something to help. As you can see, this will be a theme in what I get out of my career so far, but wanting to do something to help. And so as we started to collect data and have more information to share, and it was useful, um, we needed someone to run communications, and I jumped in to do that. Um, I tend to operate as a C&E need, and so 
even if it's not in my best job description or um, things like that, there's an opportunity for growth for me through that as well as it benefits either the business or the organization, I jump to do it. Um, so with CQI, I found found to doing communications. I was teaching myself how to write press releases and how to coordinate with reporters and truly learning hands-on, um, which is definitely helpful studying at Penta, but um, was also very helpful to see that I really enjoy communications as a field and I really enjoy and learned the benefit of, while good research is great, having research that does more than sit on the shelf and having impact beyond that where it has use and has a purpose and um, has value to the general public as well as of course those in the know in that space or sector um, is one of the most important things and I think one of the most impactful things that I've been able to help do. So now getting to work in communications full time, it's been very rewarding to see that the things that I was learning and doing were on the right track and that communications is actually a very fun field and something that I think I'll want to continue doing. I love that and when you talk about you had experience from CQI before Penta Group, what was the training like for you when you got into this role for maybe those especially who didn't have your background in it? What was that like? Yeah, I'm definitely grateful. There were folks in Davis's communications team that helped show me the ropes and folks uh, different internships that helped show me the ropes. So I did feel like I had a little bit of a leg up on other associates when we started, not in a competitive, I know better than that way, but truly just in having a little bit more experience in the field. Penta did a great job training-wise. Um, I think my first week and a half was almost predominantly trainings. Um, trainings ranging from this is how to operate with your directors and your managers to these are our PowerPoint brand guidelines and the expectations set when we're putting together a deck. Um, truly everything in between um, as well. We had so many trainings and I will say to anyone starting a job, try to remember half of it, but get the recording, take the notes, and you'll figure it out and be just fine. I ended up, I think, the first couple months referring back to a lot of those trainings, more so than I ever felt like I memorized it when I was starting out. Um, I think, too, one of the really helpful pieces, and I probably would have done something similar like this unofficially, even if we didn't have set mentorship programs, but one of the really nice things is that we are given mentors who are usually a year or two ahead of us. Um, my mentor, Lizzie, is phenomenal, and I look up to her a lot, but she's also been hugely helpful when I have questions where I don't quite want to ask a director, or it's more navigating a hard situation and just kind of getting some input and advice from someone who's been through similar things and also knows the company quite well. So I, when I first started, I think I met with her weekly. Now we have lunch together once a month, and that's kind of our catch-up, check-in period, which is quite fun. Um, and I've also gotten to mentor and in a position now as folks are starting this fall to pay, give that back and to be a mentor myself and to have that, which is a really exciting opportunity. And I think it's something that is worthwhile in an official sense, but it's also worth having unofficial mentors and just having people that you look up to and can go to for advice when you're starting out so that you can help learn the ropes a little bit easier. I think that's incredible advice, and I love if they have both the formal trainings when you first start, but also the continual informal trainings in terms of mentorship that you sought out, regardless of whether or not it was built into the program. And what is the typical timeline for people staying in an associate role? Is there a set two years and then people move up, or is there a different time? Yeah, um, so I think Penta is realistic that this is a lot of associates' first jobs out of college. And for many of them, I have a good friend who when I just started, she had been there about a year, she figured out that she had loved healthcare work, and she went and now works for trade, a healthcare trade association. She was only there a year. And there's no hard feelings, that's part of what they know that when they hire, I think it can range anywhere from like 10 to like 25 associates in a class. So it can really be a substantial number of people. They are prepared for folks to be there for just a year or two and then figure out or move on to maybe it's grad school for some, maybe it's something a little bit further in the industry for others. Um, but there are positions and opportunities to move up. We have an MD who's been there since she started, a couple of my directors have been there since they were associates. Um, as of now, and this, keep in mind, is the more HPS that way and it may change some. As we're aligning all of the companies from the merger, but um, usually if you're an associate for about two years, and then after that you can be promoted. Of course, there's performance-related things; it's not just time vacation. Um, after two years, you have the opportunity to be promoted to a senior associate, and then after about a year or so, sometimes it can be a little bit longer. You have the opportunity to be promoted to a director, and then after that, it varies a little bit more based on what the company needs are and things like that. Of course, all of these are saying if there's space and if there are opportunities for that. None of this is guaranteed, um, but it is nice to at least have when I started to know that if I'm doing well at this, and if there's an opening for me. Odds are, I would probably be able to have it. Of course, nothing set in stone, but it is a good motivator to work hard and to continue to have good attitude and be willing to jump in and dig into projects. So, I love that they have both the rewards essentially for hard work as you stay there and want to stay, but also are supportive of if someone finds a passion in another industry. What advice do you have now for people that's first starting, someone who's interested, coming out of college, and wants a role similar to yours in terms of the application and interview process? Advice there? Mm-hmm. Um, two things come to mind. I think number one, be open to more than a very narrow scope when you're looking for jobs. Um, I did not plan on doing consulting. I did not plan on even being in the private sector. I genuinely thought that I would work on Capitol Hill or that I would. 
over fifteen tanks or something, you know, very cut and dry uh, DC type job. But there's a lot more opportunities out there than I think I was aware of when I was first applying and when I was at Davidson. But um, really leaning into, oh, this sounds interesting or this sounds fun, and we're going for those type of jobs versus maybe what the next right thing may be. Because there's always going to be the next right thing, and I think especially Davidson students were very good at kind of being a chameleon and adapting to whatever comes. Um, the other piece that came to mind is really using your network, uh, regardless of where you went to school or who you know or who you grew up with. You have the opportunity to build networking connections. It can be as simple as this is one of your parents' friends, or this is someone that a friend of a friend introduced you to, they're a couple of years older, or um, I don't know, half of mine are, a couple of mine are former clients that I worked with and really enjoyed, or are other folks who have since left Kenza from when I started. So really focusing on building those networking connections. Um, I read something the other day that talks about college can either be you're spending four years just learning and growing, and then you're going to figure out what you're doing for your career, or you're spending four years preparing for your career. And I think I definitely leaned into the preparing for your career piece and was very lucky to leverage the Davidson Mafia and connections to get to know people in DC and to get to know folks um, in industries that I might be interested in and just having good conversations. You don't need to show up to networking events trying to get something out of it. All you're looking for is to make connections with people because it's as simple as getting coffee with someone or going for a walk or having a 10 minute phone call. Um, one of my internships I happened to get because a Davidson grad knew, worked there and knew that Davidson students could handle whatever they threw our way. So truly looking into who you may know in your network and then also reaching out. So if you're applying for a job, go check and see the company page. See if there's alums working there. Because some of this of course feels obvious, but for a lot of people, it's not, and I think it can be intimidating to blind reach out to someone who happens to be in a of the same school, or you overlap somewhere, but you didn't know them quite well. Worst is they say no, so it is always worth it just to go for it and to see what happens. Any advice on when we talk about networking and reaching out, whether it's for someone at a job you're interested in, tips for having those conversations? Because I think students are often encouraged to have them and aren't quite sure when you talk about like even a 10-minute phone call. What should be that someone's mentality going into that, and what kinds of tangible things do you think they could be used to? Definitely, see them as a person first. Don't see them as an opportunity or something that you are getting out of them. Because these are people that you're talking to. These aren't like machines or robots or something where it's like, oh, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And yeah, that is kind of how it works. But if someone likes you or thinks that you're smart or thinks that you, like, you just had a good conversation and they enjoyed it, it will be a lot easier for them to be willing when the ask comes down the line of, hey, I just applied for this job at your company. Would you mind putting in a good word for me? Versus, you know, play the game a little bit of knowing that you will apply to those places or knowing that this is an industry that you're interested in. But that doesn't need to be conversation topic number one. Frankly, I don't mention that stuff almost ever. It is more just getting to know them as a person and having a good conversation versus trying to leverage them for anything. Especially if this is your first conversation. Like, do not come on so strong of, can you apply for this? Can you please help me? And like all this stuff. A, that makes you sound a little desperate when really what we're going for is confident and smart and someone that they want to work with. Um, so I think a lot of my conversations that end up being networking conversations, some of it is just asking them about their job and what they enjoy or like you've been doing, asking them how they got to where they are or for advice. People, um, I think two people also like to talk about themselves. So it is really easy to ask a good question. And I think one of the big pieces of advice is don't just ask a question and then leave their answer and move to a new question. Ask a follow-up. Pay attention. Listen. It is not that hard to ask, you know, if you're asking what brought them to where they're currently working or some of their work history, then ask them about a past job that they mentioned or an experience or like show that you care and that you're paying attention because that will benefit you a heck of a lot more than coming on strong immediately with an ask. And also stay in touch. If you haven't seen or talked to someone in six months, email them. Message them. Again, worst is they say no. And on the whole, especially if this is an alum or this is someone you overlap with, they will probably say yes. Most people are nice and are willing to have the conversation and kind of help the little guy because they've all been there. Everyone had to start their career somewhere. That is so helpful to, from first treat them as a person. I think a lot of people feel awkward when they think of it as going in with an ask of this specific job they're applying to right now. And so that mindset switch of just learning about someone and maybe seeing if you're interested in that and going from there could also remove some of the stress and make it more of a normal human-to-human conversation as well as the follow-up is something that I don't think people frequently mention and it's much more impactful in building a relationship than the one time reach out for a favor as you mentioned. Any other general career advice? I think don't be for me I've dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome. I've dealt with a lot of feeling like okay I didn't plan on this career but I enjoy it like for the other people who did plan on it like what does that mean now? 
Um, I think really just being open to opportunities and being open to having good conversations and being open to learning. Um, I think one of the most helpful things, like I mentioned earlier with kind of my three guiding questions, figure out what you need out of a job. I have friends who work insane hours and they love it. I have friends who work entirely remotely and they love it. Figuring out what you need for a career or what you need to be happy. Maybe that's work-life balance. Maybe that's you really want to be remote all the time. Uh, there's a lot of different benefits to that. And I think the only other piece that comes to mind is even after you've started somewhere, you're not done networking. You're not done, especially if you are in business or the private sector, of course, this applies to public sector too, but get to know the people you work with. Put on, thankfully, Penta encourages us to put coffees on with each other and encourages us to take the time out of our days to get to know our colleagues, but a lot of places don't. And I've had that with internships where if I didn't email someone and say, hey, I would love to hear more about what you do and get to know you, and have coffee with them or have lunch or whatever it may be, I probably wouldn't have had that connection, but also it gives me buy-in into the firm or into the business of they've now gotten to know me. So if my name comes up in a meeting, I'm not just a name, I'm someone with a face and someone that they know. So continuing the networking and kind of the relationship building, to me, that's a very cyclical thing and should basically never stop when you're career searching, but especially if you're early in your career, um, and especially if it's people your own age, you don't know what someone is going to do in 20 years. You don't know what your own career trajectory holds. So being kind and helping people when you can and showing up with a good attitude and putting in the time to get to know people will benefit you hugely in the long run, as well as it just sets you up for success in, in your current job, as well as in any future job. Said like a strategy associate thinking <laughs> about how to both continue learning in the role, but also continue learning through other people and making connections. And maybe you'll help answer some of those questions about what you want out of job through hearing somebody else talk about what they didn't, didn't like about theirs. So thank yeah. you for giving insight for others to reflect on what they may want and how to get there. Mm -hmm.